Hey everybody. Uh, first of all, I just want to start out by saying I'm really glad that all of you are here tonight. Uh, it's really, really cool to look out over a group of young believers uh, that are just passionate about pursuing Christ. Um, it's really humbling to me to see this gym filled every Wednesday night um, with just young spirits that want to go out and tell the world about Christ. Um, Okay, so we're over halfway through our series in 1st John. Um, a few weeks ago, I kicked things off with 1st John 1. Um, we found out that Jesus is not only the word of life, um, and that he is who he says he is, um, but we also found out that there is no darkness in God, that he is perfect, and that he sent his one and his son uh, to atone for our sins. And then John offered all of us a personal invitation to walk in the light and the presence of God as a shameless people. Uh, two weeks ago, Kelly had a kickback teaching, which reinforced the fact that we are children of God, uh, chapter 2 gave us an encouragement by telling us that we have overcome the evil one, and we really have. Um, it also warned us, though, not to love the world. Um, even going so far as to say in verse 15, do not love the world or anything in it. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Um, and at the end of chapter 2, John returns to his theme of encouragement that we see throughout 1 John um, by saying in verse 28, and now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him that is coming. And then last week, we brought us 1 John chapter 3, uh, teaching, teaching that if we are in Christ, if we hope in him, um, we purify ourselves just as he himself is pure. Um, and chapter 3 also calls us to love one another. Uh, this is perfectly illustrated in verse 16 of chapter 3, where it says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. And later on again in verse 18, it says this, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. Um, so tonight we're going to dig into 1 John chapter 4. Um, so if I could have you all open up the Bibles that we just got earlier, we're going to go to 1 John chapter 4, and we'll just read the entire chapter together. Um, so again, 1 John is almost all the way at the back of your Bible. So if you open up to the very back and see Revelation, and you're going to go to the two books to the left, you're going to go past a small, tiny book called Jude, and then you're going to get to John. So we have 3 John, 2 John, and then you get to 1 John. So flip to 1 John 4, and we'll start here in 2nd one, 2nd one's got. First John chapter 4. First John chapter 4. Towards the back of your Bible, 1 John chapter 4. Alright, everybody got it? We're getting close. Alright, here we go. It starts off with this. Test the spirits. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone into the world. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. 
God is love. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God is made manifest or visible among us. That God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the appropriation, which means atonement, for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us. Other translations might say, love is made complete among us. So that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so we are in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to be with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. So there's a lot of really, really good stuff in that passage. Uh, but during my reading of this chapter, I found that they really, uh, really good meat of that chapter is in verses 7 through 21, personally. Um, I would also encourage you guys to again read through that, and if you think that something in 1 through 6 stands out to you, um, what a great thing to share with a neighbor, to share with a friend. Um, so we're just going to go over verses 1 through 6, and I'm going to kind of summarize them really quick, and then hopefully spend a little bit more time on verses 7 through 21. Uh, so verses, seven, verses 1 through 3 are pretty straightforward. Um, we're told not to believe every spirit that is thrown at us, but rather to test the spirits in order to see if they are from God. Then, stating that many false prophets or teachers have gone into the world, we know that we can't believe every spirit. We're also told how to recognize the spirit of God. And these verses put it pretty darn simply. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is from God. The spirit, this any spirit that does not acknowledge that Jesus is from God is the Antichrist, as we've talked about before. And this spirit, the spirit that one that does not acknowledge Jesus is from God, is the spirit of the Antichrist. So we cannot simply just believe every piece of information that is thrown at us. False teachers are all around us trying to tell us things that are just simply not true. Trying to make us believe things that we shouldn't. Um, but this is how we can recognize God's spirit in our lives, that we test each spirit or person and what they say about Christ. And those people that know that Jesus came in a human body and that he is the Son of God are true teachers. Spirits not from God do not acknowledge that Jesus came from God and they do not believe that he is the Christ. Now verse 3 says this, verse 3 says that this spirit, the spirit of the Antichrist, is already in the world and is working in those that oppose the gospel. 
in verses 4 through 6, we're offering encouragement by being told that we have overcome the evil spirits that are already in this world, and that the one who is in us is greater than the one who is in the world. That we have been given victory, and that is a huge, huge deal. So now the next subheading in your Bible says this, God is love. And I want to spend a few minutes on this because it's amazingly thick, and there's a lot of depth behind this. So one of the first messages that stands out in these verses is that we are called to love one another. This has been a, a, a common theme throughout the entire book of First John. And it even says that whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Verse 8 says, anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. And so God is love, that can be kind of hard to understand at times. Um, so in order to understand it a little bit better, I want to take you to 1 Corinthians 13, 4-8. So go ahead and keep your finger there in 1 John. Don't lose your page. But then you're going to turn um, several books back into 1 Corinthians, okay? So it'll be a few books back to the left in your Bible, so from 1 John, you're going to turn back to two books of Peter, past the books of James and Hebrews, 1 Corinthians 13, 4-8. And once you start seeing titles like Ephesians and Galatians, you want to start to slow down a little bit, and at this point you should start to see 2 Corinthians. And then just keep going until you get 1 Corinthians. So we're going to start at 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. Alright. So here it is. We're going to read 1 Corinthians 13, starting in verse 4. Alright? And it says this. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Now I want you to listen to this again, but in the place of the word love, I'm going to use the word God. Because God is love. God is patient and kind. God does not envy or boast. God is not arrogant or rude. And God does not insist on his own way. God is not irritable or resentful. God does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. God bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. God never ends. So God is all of these things and immeasurably more. Because God is love and because he loved us, we should love one another. And that means loving your brothers and sisters that are right here in this room. Regardless of if you've had a bad past with them or you've got some conflict between you. It means that you need to love your brothers and sisters in this room. And God gave his son Jesus into the world that we might live through him. And the price that has been paid is too high for us not to love those around us. Verse 11 says that if God so loved us that he would give his son, we also ought to love others. That if we love others, God abides in us and his love is made perfect. So it is through loving others that we know that we abide in him. So John writes that they have, they have seen and testified that the Father God has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. All of the people of the world have sinned, including yourself and myself. But we know that Jesus has come to earth to atone for our sins, to sacrifice himself for us. But in order to gain this love of Christ, we have to abide in him. Verse 16 says again that God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God and God in him. For the love of God has given us 
given us complete and perfected salvation. Complete and perfected salvation. So as we love God and we turn to love each other, love achieves its purpose. The day is coming when God will come to judge the people. And we don't know when that day might be. But we don't have anything to fear because we have the life of Christ. As Christ lives in God, through him we also live in God. We have nothing to fear because God's perfect love drives out fear. Fear opposes the confidence that love brings. It opposes the confidence that love brings. There's a fear of punishment, of course, for all of our wrongdoings that we all have in this room. But remember that Christ has taken all of that on his shoulders and bared our punishment on the cross. So we're going to present those fears to God tonight. Um, if you look around the room right now, there's some pieces of paper on the walls back here. Um, so we have a 7th grade station over here, an 8th grade station over here. Right back, kind of behind the 9th square, there's a 9th grade station. And then back here are some uh, leader station. And there's markers on the ground. So what I want for you guys to do is go back there and uh, write your fears down. What you, what you need to give to God. But you need to remember this. Hold on, I'm going yet, okay? Remember this, okay? The greatest fear that we can potentially have as Christ followers, the greatest fear that we can potentially have as Christ followers is separation from Christ. That is the greatest fear that we can have as Christians, is separation from Christ. But the good news there is we know that Jesus has bridged that gap for us, and we are not separated from him. So for me, for example, one of my greatest fears in life would be losing one of my parents. That would be one of my greatest fears. If I were to call one day and said that my mom and my dad had had something happen to them, I don't know what I would do. I really don't. But because I love Jesus and he loves me, I know that he has a passion for me and for my family. And that he won't ever lead me down a path that is the wrong path. And that there was a plan. So because of that happening, because he sent Jesus to atone for the ultimate fear, I have nothing else to fear. Because God's perfect love drives out that fear. So I encourage you to, whenever you feel comfortable, I'm going to invite the band up right now. Whenever you feel comfortable to get up and go to these walls and write that down, you go ahead and do that. So we have a seventh grade wall over here, eighth grade wall over here, ninth grade in the back, and then 